everyone. Before we get started, we wanted to let you know about our venue consulting. We have broken up our offerings into four distinct needs, design, sales and client experience, marketing, and those all important SOPs. You can take advantage of one or all of these tricky spots for your venue. If you want to learn more and get a few more details, head on over to hustleandgather.com to see how we can work together and reach your venue goals. All right, let's get to today's show. I don't have a problem letting something go. I just have to know that I tried my hardest before I can let it go. Otherwise, I will always have that what if. And that's true for anything in my life. That's true for a relationship. Mm -hmm. That's true for a business venture. And so when something goes awry and my first instinct is like, I don't want to fucking do this anymore. I want to let this go. But then the back of my mind, I'm like, well, you haven't tried. You Mm -hmm. haven't really tried. It's not well planned out. It's not well executed. You know, and and the idea, the reason why you said you're going to do this is because the idea was good. Welcome to Hustle and Gather, a podcast about inspiring the everyday entrepreneur to take the leap. I'm Courtney. And I'm Dana. And we're two sisters who have started multiple businesses together. And yes, it's as messy as you think. We know that starting a business isn't easy. I mean, we've done it four times. And on this show, we talk about the ups and downs of the hustle and the reward at the end of the journey. And we love helping small businesses succeed, whether that is through our venue consulting, speaking, team training. We love to motivate others to take that big leap. Or you could just use our misadventures to normalize the crazy that is being an entrepreneur because every entrepreneur makes mistakes. But we like to call those unsuccessful attempts around here. And we know it's just part of the process. And today we're talking just the two of us about last week's episode with Lindsay Williams, a wedding stationer and educator based in Niagara Falls, New York. Through personality pack content and out of this world customer service, Lindsay has grown her wedding stationery company from 30K to 300K in yearly revenue in just five years. If you haven't heard last week's episode, go give it a listen and come back to hear our thoughts. All right, let's get started. I love that. I thought that was a great episode. Yeah. Yeah. I like how when she was talking about sales, that really she wasn't good at sales right away. Right. And she said the reason that she even booked those 12 clients was because of her mother. So it made me think of, what did I get from my mama? I think mom's always been great at people. Like, I've always thought she can connect with pretty much anybody. And I think that she, like, she can put herself in anybody's shoes. Yeah. You know, I think it's a great skill. And I think I've gotten that from her. Like your empathy? I think empathy. But I think more importantly, like, if you were to just stick mom in a room with a bunch of random people, maybe the most opposite of who she is, she would still find a way to connect with them. Yeah. In some way. Yeah. On some level. Right. And she could still be appropriate, even if she like disagreed with their life, disagreed with everything they were going to do. She would just get along, connect and be fine. I agree with that. I think that a lot of your empathy came from mom, though. Like growing up, it was never a thought for mom to like put herself out to help somebody else or to give a meal or to do a meal or have someone live at your house. Like we had random people people. living at our house. Well, they weren't random people. They were random to us. Yeah, but they weren't like strangers off the street yeah but i'm saying it also but it also wasn't like your aunt visiting from ohio it was like some random person from church or like a friend of a friend that needed a space like yeah for example i think they practically gave away their first house to that family that needed it at our church yeah like they were always one to like and i think you get this from mom Mm -hmm. to be able to put themselves out a little bit to be able to help somebody else yeah the good trait you got from her. Nice. I did not get that necessarily. No, you did not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know, but I, I feel like I got a lot of my like 
hopefulness probably mm-hmm. for mom. Like I Optimism. we're both very optimistic people. Mm-hmm. You guys are very optimistic. Yeah, both of us are, are very like always going to be better. It's going to yeah. be better. It's going to be better. Yeah. And I think that keeps us moving forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think I got that from mom. Well, in a similar vein, she talked about that wonderful little nugget that we're going to go in deeper that her father said. What is like maybe the one big piece of advice that dad gave you? Okay, well, you're going to start that. What's a big piece of advice that our dad gave you? I don't know if it was necessarily advice, but maybe just modeled behavior. I always felt like whenever, especially like with sports, because he coached a lot of our teams Mm -hmm. and stuff. And whenever he watched me play, I I never got off the field and he would just berate me for what I did wrong. And I always felt like he he honestly taught me the happy sandwich. Yeah. Like where the first thing he would be like, you were so amazing. You did this so well, blah, blah, blah. And we would talk about that and the great plays and the great hits and all that. And then I would bring up, well, I did terrible at this point. And he'd be like, yeah, that wasn't great, but here's maybe how you could improve. Let's work on that next week. And then he would end with like, oh, but that play was amazing. Yeah. You know, like I felt like he always created a safe place for me to explore what I needed to improve on in the world of sports. Yeah. I think that what I've gotten from dad and would be like a piece of advice or like a, a I don't I don't remember him having any like sage words. I'm sure that he has his willingness to do anything for a family or people Mm. that he's close to. Like he, it was never a question. Like I never. He's extremely loyal. He's extremely loyal person. Mm -hmm. And I think that I got that from my father is like, I'm an extremely loyal Mm -hmm. person. Yes. It, it's so funny because you'll you'll just be with him randomly and he'd be like, we need to figure out how to get here and how to do that. We need to figure out how to da 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 And it's always meant, and it's not like trying to better himself. It's always because he wants to show up and be valuable to another person. Yeah. Like when we were building the Bradford, I think they came up like, I think they said like 19 times mm-hmm. that year. Mm-hmm. Like they would drive from Florida, work for the weekend and, drive back. and then drive back and help us with whatever it was. Like whether it was like painting or doing trim or planting trees. And Whatever. he would work the weekend mm-hmm. and then drive back. Yeah. Like he's a very, very loyal person. Yeah. I guess circling back a little bit too, I loved what her statement that her dad made that the product of your business is not what you sell, but the story they tell at the end of business with them, with you basically. Yeah. That that was amazing. And yeah. it's so, so true. It's so true. And it's like we, in our sales funnel for all of our companies that's the last piece it's called um lifers yeah (laughs) make them lifers make them lifers like make them no matter whoever asks a question on facebook who's the best venue best wedding planner they're the first ones to reply because they just they had the best experience they want someone else to have that same amazing experience yeah and i love that because i think it's so true Mm -hmm. especially when you're in a service industry yeah you know like it's not necessarily about exactly what you're doing but how you made that person feel while you were doing it yeah. And it kind of like, I mean, piggies back a little bit on what we were talking about, like kind of building that, like creating connections with people. And it's funny because I feel like that's one of the things that I do really well with my clients is I mm-hmm. always created connections with them of, you know, there's a good couple dozen that I still keep in touch with through Facebook and, you know, all that stuff and have that kind of relationship or I'll like, I remember, uh, I guess it was a couple of years ago. So it was like right before the pandemic hit, actually. And a mom of a bride like randomly texted me and said, hey, I saw, you know, Tori's wedding won an award that someone had submitted for something. And I was like, oh, yeah, blah, blah. That was for this. And she's like, she's about to have her first baby. Her baby shower is tomorrow. Do you want to come? And I was like, sure. She's like, I'm not going to tell her to surprise. And I just got to go there and like surprise her. Oh, that's and- fun. 
I know. And it was really neat. And it was just, it's just, those are, it's just cool being a part of someone's like life story in that way. Like, and all these big moments or whatever. But what about when the story goes badly? And when it goes badly, that's what I was going to say, is I'm such a good BSer. Because no, because I feel like that, I feel like this has bitten you in the butt before. Oh, 100%. So like I, you know, I make a connection enough to like get the job done. And there's right. a couple of people, like maybe two right. clients out of like the hundreds of clients that I've right. had that I even keep up with randomly. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you've hired me to do this job mm-hmm. and I'm going to do this job. And for the most part, it stops there. Mm-hmm. And I feel like one of your strengths is making that connection and making them feel like mm-hmm. uh, they're your BFF. And so what happens to, in my opinion, sometimes when it goes badly is there's emotions that seep into the business and it can go like terribly awry. Oh yeah. No. So the one I'm thinking of is like the, my worst review I've ever had. And it was, her wedding was May of 2019. They mm-hmm. She left their review in May or June of 2020, yeah. which is just ugly. It was ugly. It's like the whole fucking world's falling apart. (laughs) My business is decimated and you now find the time to write this review. And Well, in her defense, we all did have a lot of time. Maybe she was done making banana bread. I don't know. (laughs) I don't I just there were lots of theories I have. But she during the process, I mean, I I didn't mind her. At one point I told Courtney, I was like, her expectations are too high. Like, and she's intense. Like she's an intense person. She's like one of those people that like will tell you what she thinks, but doesn't care about how she makes anybody else feel. It didn't come from a place of maliciousness. And I, and I do believe that. I don't think she was a naturally. Yeah, it came from a weird place of entitlement. Yes. Right. <laughs> Very weird. So anyways, <laughs> and I just played nice. I mean, did. I did all the things I was supposed to do. I behaved the way I was supposed to. She thought we were great friends and the wedding came and it went and it was amazing and everything ended up perfectly. And she was so happy, got tons of hugs, tons of texts the next day or whatever. And then like two months post, she got her wed- her, she got her pictures back and she was upset about her pictures, which obviously I didn't take the pictures. Yeah. She was upset that some picture frame didn't get put on a chair. I don't really know, um, which I, there were, there's lots, there was lots about this. But anyways, I think what it came down to is... I, she thought that we were BFFs and she thought that we were going to be BFFs after her wedding. And we were not Mm -hmm. because I just, that wasn't the relationship I wanted to have with her. And it offended her very greatly. Like, I know that's what I'm saying. Like sometimes when you make those connections and people feel so close, they can get very hurt. Oh, I know. So she was like going for the jugular. Right. So then like this all happened, right? This is COVID. Everyone's emotions are high and and I, this review came through and I was just livid. Like I was pissed. And so I'm like posting on Instagram. I don't name any names. Right. And, but she sees this post. And so there's this photographer's trying to like have this like conversation between us or whatever. And she told the photographer that it was the meanest thing that she thought that we were closer friends and that I was so mean that I called her mean and I was like but you are mean I mean like why are you leaving this one star review when it had nothing to do with your wedding like your wedding was literally perfect like Mm -hmm. everything went exactly how it was supposed to be yeah I'm just saying that sometimes there is some benefit no I agree I that that was my point saying like that I think there is her story was not good after oh no but there's a line I think that you have to draw and there's a line that you cannot cross. And I think if I was to go back and say, like, this is where I'm culpable in this whole thing is I crossed the line and making her believe 
that I felt for her a different way than I actually did. Yeah. And it's not like I have to say I don't you like you. You were leading her on. Yeah. Like, and, but I mean, and and just think about any time you've been led on by anybody, by any relationship, whether yeah. it's a friendship or a romantic or whatever, like how hurtful that is, I like know. genuinely. And so like I can see like where my culpability in that is. And I should have just been less emotionally, yeah. I don't know, manipulative. Is that the right word for it? I don't even know if it's the right word for it. Well, that would imply that you were doing it intentionally. Well, I was intentionally just trying to be overly accommodating yeah, because I, I was afraid of her wrath. <laughs> As opposed to just drawing boundaries and lines in the sand Absolutely. and giving her the limit of like, we're not friends. I You have hired me to be your wedding planner and that's all it is, mm-hmm. you know? So. Yeah. I'm just saying, I think, I think when it's good and you make those connections and. It's great. It's great. But when it's bad, like it's, it's so really bad. bad. So bad. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I I totally agree with her that creating connections is the best way to market your business, the best way to sell your business. And I think it's so important. And, and like even in our story, like we just didn't think we needed anybody else. Like, oh, we're fine. It's just the two of us. And it really wasn't until the Bradford we were like, uh, we, we need to make this. some friends. <laughs> like we need to like our friend. We need we need to have our friends want to have weddings here. Yeah. That's but what I mean, it was. It was like we had to network. You had to create these connections where people like saw the space and it wasn't because they liked us. It's, it was just putting our product in front of people. And the way you could put it in front of people was to build a relationship with people. Sure. So, yeah, I think it's probably the best piece of advice anyone will ever give you is create connections. And I love it that that's her cornerstone. Her yeah. Face. And I think it's, I mean, it's ever evolving because, you know, as we go to like a more digital age, like creating those connections mm-hmm. socially, like on social media, like if someone were to inquire with you, maybe you follow them on social media, respond mm-hmm. to a post, let them know that you see them just like right. they see you. But I think it's one of those things like I mean, we've interviewed a ton of people and I've talked to a ton of people and there's tons like marketers or whatnot. And to me, the ones who really know how to do it well are the ones who and who say that on some level. Right. It's about relationships. Yeah. It's about creating connections. And like even with our venue consulting clients, like when we're like, what's your homework? Your homework is you need to take 10 people out to coffee. Yeah. That is your homework. Like make some connections. Hey, get your name out there. Get your name out there. Yeah. yeah. It sounds like a that. cornerstone for her sales strategy was making those connections. Yeah. And it's also like communicating your worth value. and your value. And yes. I love that too. That's really hard to do. I struggle with that. I feel like I'm good at that. Yeah. I think I'm good at communicating the amount of effort and what goes into making something happen, but not in a like pandering way, but in a way that's like, right. this is why it costs this. Right. No, and I agree with that. I think it's probably why you're better at sales. And I have a hard time, and it's going to sound terrible, and I don't mean it in any way to sound terrible. I have a hard time selling for somebody else because I have a hard time sometimes finding value in other people. In other people. <laughs> because it's because, and it's not because I don't find them valuable, it's because I, have a hard time finding it's it's a way of like almost deflecting how I feel about myself uh-huh. do you know what I mean so it's like okay well, like would I pay this much money for this and am I worth that and if I don't think I'm worth that then why would someone else be worth that so interesting do you know what I mean yeah like so like when we were selling for our new employees which are super pumped about I was the opposite like I was like I got to pay these people. Yeah. It's not even just that. I got to pay federal taxes on them. And then they're going to have insurance. And like, I had better like make some money on this. Yeah. Like I just, I didn't see it as, is this person worth it? I saw it as, what does my company need? Like, what's it actually costing me? And it's Mm -hmm. actually costing our company more to have that person 
go and do the wedding. So I'm going to charge more. Right, right. No, and I, I'm not saying it's the right way to think. I'm saying it's just it's how I am. And I, I, and I did, and I felt like I sold well during that you did, time. You did. I was, I was shocked and delighted, delighted by <laughs> your responses. Yeah, they were very lengthy, though. Oh my god, you take so long on those calls. I do, but I had to. She makes the connection. But I think I had to convince them. I, I you had to convince I, you, and then convince yes, them. Absolutely, it was worth the cost. But it definitely, I. Uh, with that whole exercise in general, it made me realize, okay, this is like the actual, because I just, I look at it as a business and this is the cost of doing business and it's costing me more to have these people do business, which I'm happy about. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not, not happy about sure. that. Then throwing out some of these numbers and realizing I am asking these people for a lot of money. So yeah. I'm going to have to add more value and mm-hmm. I need to be a little bit more transparent on why, why? I'm asking for that. Right. And I need to, right? Because yeah. it's costing me more, but this is a lot. So yeah. it was like those two things, like kind of the juxtaposition at the same time. Yeah. But I gave no discounts. Yeah. No, I, mean, I didn't give any discounts. Yeah. I mean, other we we always do military. I gave a military discount. Yeah. Because that's the fair and right thing to do. No, I I agree. I think I think what I have a hard time with is I think it's more on a global scale of inflation, right? Because well, when hard, I yeah. think when I think back to like where we started and where we are now, it is ridiculous what our day of cost is and we're not even the most expensive person and so and to me it's like am i part of the problem of the world like that i'm continually inflating this cost right and to me it's like okay if we're gonna if we're now gonna charge almost three times what we charged 10 years ago right yeah three times in 10 years that is that's 300 percent. that is massive you're right i do need to add some value and that value cannot just be oh, you get me as your event manager and we come in 68 weeks prior. It's like, no, like I'm going to give you something that you can use. that's going to help you get on the right path. I'm going to give you all these tools. I'm going to give you templates. I'm going to create this process so easily for you, right? As opposed to just being a person. And like, and that's where I had to get to is, okay, we do offer a lot. We do provide a lot for our clients. Like we do create a great, you know, service and a great experience, but it is an insane price. And, and so like, let's even like reverse back to like, reverse okay, back. where we started, what was the market value of what we gave? They were, did we undercut the market? A hundred percent. So let's, if we talk about market value of what people were charging, they were charging $1,200 yeah. for day of service. We're charging, we don't do anything basically less than $3,000 for day of. So even you're talking about 250% at this point, yeah. that is ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous. And I'm not saying it's wrong there's a lot of work that goes into it. There is a lot of work that goes into it. But my point is, is that before all we did is we would show up that two month prior and we do the job. We would check your rentals, yeah. do your, all the things. And we still do all those things. But now it's like, okay, now we have this folder that is rich and full of things to make you successful. And yeah. I feel like there's a value in that. Cause it's basically like, I'm giving you my brain dump. Yeah. And everything it. that I've developed in those 10 years that I've leaped from this to this. Sure. And now I can like plan a wedding with my eyes closed and I can look at every, I can look at a timeline and say, nope, that's not going to work. That's yeah. going to be stressful. It's, you're not going to be happy with this. Like definitely there is, there is cost and experience. There is value in experience. And I'm not discounting that at all. Next, I think she mentioned something. I love this is that money is simply just an exchange of value. Yes, I know. I thought that was really great. I thought that too. was really great because it's not a, really about the money. It's no. not about the dollar. It's about what people value. Yes. And people spend money on what they value. So right. if they value you enough, they're going to spend enough. 
Right. And same thing with anything, like whether it's like the Bradford or whether it's a planning service or whether it's just like stationary or Mm -hmm. whether it's a couch, like whatever you value Mm -hmm. up to whatever level, that's what you're going to spend on. Well, yeah, it's like I think Rachel, when she talks about her when she does her burnout talk, she says, you want to know what you value? See where you put your money. Like, do you value your time? Do you value like your family do you value your friends like look at where you spend your money and that's what you value and it was like such a like oh wow like that's crazy when you and it's so true right like me and sam spend a ton of money on kids stuff i mean we spend a ton of money on like sports and like fleets and all the crap you need for that and you know we find that valuable yeah we're about to spend a lot of money on school we find that valuable yeah like it's a great exercise to like even reset Pretty sure mine lately is just food. I mean that, yeah, but that's. I mean, yes. <laughs> I think that's the biggest bill that I have. It is one of our biggest bills. All right, flipping it all on its next topic in general is, and I feel like this is a good time because we've talked about this before on this podcast for a mental health check-in. Because she talked about mm-hmm. how her mental health was so difficult, like so hard in corporate. She would be mm-hmm. in her car crying and her shower crying and. While she still does have some anxiety, she kind of listens to her body's cues and Mm -hmm. that's gotten so much better. I guess for her, she said, just feeling like she's in control of that. But we've talked about mental health on here before. Yeah. It's the check-in time for you. For me? Because you don't don't have any mental health problems. Oh, no, I do have mental health problems. (laughs) Sure. Check-in? I mean, I think it's, I don't, I don't know what, I don't know what it is at this moment to be truthful. I've been trying to find a therapist and it's been like really hard to find. I had someone I didn't really like them. Yeah, it's, they weren't, they were the first person I had, like, she was just like 26 and that there's anything wrong with like someone who's young, but I felt like I couldn't connect with her in a way that yeah. was like meaningful. So I had a hard time with that. And like, she wasn't married. She didn't have kids. I felt like, I mean, I don't know, again, not discounting all those things, but um, it's impossible to find somebody because everybody is like, Going to therapy. everyone is in therapy. So there is none available anywhere. If anyone has any leads, let me know. Uh-huh. But yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it goes, it ebbs and it flows. I think that there is like, there's different, I think anxiety has been super high the past three months because it's just been so inundated with work that I can't get to the end of it, which makes me anxious in general. So that's, I think, been really hard. I think that like the personal stuff, like when I think about like what got me like super depressed last year hasn't been as existent because I haven't had time to see anybody or to like dwell on that. You know, like I just, and I've, I've learned to let a lot of it go. Like I've just stopped mm-hmm. trying and yeah. there's times when that upsets me that I've stopped trying and stopped caring. And then there's times I'm like, well, that's just kind of like a great little yeah, self-preservation, you know? Sure. I think you got to straddle that line. Yeah. But I agree with you. 26, no kids, not married. It's all theoretical at that point. Right. Yeah. Can't really relate. Yeah. And I know they, they're, she was well qualified. Yeah. She's been to school yeah, sure. and all that, but there's just something about life experience. I think that gives better advice. And I mean, she was yeah. very like on my, totally on my team, like, but that I didn't really need someone to validate how I felt. Yeah, I need yeah. someone to tell me like, am I thinking about this correctly? Or like call you on your bullshit. Right. Yes. Yeah. Please call me on my bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> because that's what I need, you know? We can start therapy now, Dana. No. <laughs> you are not my therapist. Oh, but how much better it would be if I were. Mm-hmm. How's your mental health? Oh, God. It's just been a lot. Yeah. I think mean, mental health is fine, but, like, I've never processed things really mentally. 
like in my head. It's always like in my body. And I have had a constant headache for two mm. weeks. So I'm thinking it must be pretty low. Yeah. My eye was twitching earlier today. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot like between like gearing up for house building and getting our youngest on ADHD medication off the, off the rails, moving Mikhail's birth mother up here. Mm-hmm. Like, so good, I guess. That's good. We're all things going. Yeah. I'm here. Yeah. Still standing. Still standing. But I like how she talked about in the episode how she kind of listens to her body's cues. And I think that as I've gotten older, that's been one of the things that's been really a saving grace for me is to be able to like listen to what it is that I need and then not cast judgment because I need it. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, I should be doing or I should be doing or I should be doing. Sometimes I just do. And Mikhail's actually really good about this. Uh, like on Sunday, the whole house is just falling down around me and whatnot. And I was like, I should stay here and get through laundry or whatever. And I was like, but I know Chris is teaching a class and I, I know I'd feel better if I went and mm-hmm. did it. But then I'm even just like getting forth the effort to go and do. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you need to take what you need, Courtney. Mm-hmm. He's like, take what you need. So like went to the class. And I was like, hey, I'm going to have breakfast with Krista. And he's like, you know, take what you need. And I was like, I'm going to go pop over to Lowe's afterwards and start looking at some cabinets or whatnot. And he's like, you don't have to check in with me. Take what you need today. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's always been very good about that piece yeah. of it. And so I think just kind of listening to that, like sometimes I need a nap. Sometimes I need a walk mm-hmm. just like her. Sometimes I need a drink. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like I'm absolute on none of those things, but occasionally I need all of those things. Yeah. It, I mean, I think that's the joys of partnership in life, though, is is you have someone that you can say these things to and they're the ones that help you make the right decision yeah. for you sometimes. And I mean, I totally feel that like there's been multiple times I'm like, you know, because I get I get super overwhelmed when the house is a disaster and then I have all these other things. And then and I get so overwhelmed that I don't want to do I, I can't get motivated. If I'm not motivated to do it. I won't do it. Like I don't do things out of obligation. A, right. I don't mm-hmm. do it. I, I have to be motivated to do yeah. it. And so there's many a times I'll be like, oh, I need to do this. Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, well, how about we do this? And he's like and he like lays out this plan. I'm like, oh, that seems like a fair thing to do. Like, you know, I'm like, OK, like if you're going to you're going to help me do this and mm-hmm. we're going to. It's going to take 30 minutes. Like I'm motivated. It's done. Yeah. It'll be off my, you know, my mental plate or whatever the case may be. And it's always, it's nice when you have someone that can just kind of push you into what you need to do. Yeah. I loved how when she was talking about, right before talking about mental health, how she was having a really hard time at all these jobs and she would go from job to job to job to job. And then finally it dawned on her that she was the common denominator. <laughs> it wasn't all the terrible bosses. It wasn't all I the think. terrible bosses. Yeah. Has there ever been a time where you felt like you were the common denominator? I definitely think that sometimes like when I think back to like issues or problems, like going back to like employee expectations, right? Yeah. Um, there's been times I've looked back and I was like, maybe the problem isn't the expectation. The problem is me because all of all of these people are failing in their expectations. So mm-hmm. to me, there isn't an outlier and the outlier is me. It's not them. Yeah. Like, have I not set the expectation or the job description? Am I not being clear enough? Am I not communicating what's actually necessary? And I think there's been a a couple of times I've had to take a step back and be like, okay, this is not like an employee problem. This is a management problem. Yeah. Oh, I definitely think that often in our Mm -hmm. business that it's like, oh, this is a management problem. Right. I think we're good at hiring people and people are more than willing to do what we ask them to do. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we have mismanaged or not set the proper expectation right. or even when you set an expectation, but you don't even like that expectation. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like right. maybe it could be like office hours or whatever. Right. You're like, I set the schedule. 
And I hate it. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. For sure. What about you? I don't know. I like mine's a little like darker, I guess. Like when I was having like the hardest time with wife in general with Mikhail and honestly you in the mm-hmm. middle of Bradford construction, I remember really hating how everybody was addressing me, like how mm-hmm. everybody was speaking to me. And it was all very similarly. And like, I don't know, like I didn't feel not like valued, but like always condescended to, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And then it really did hit me at that point that the common denominator was me. Like I was the one that was allowing that to happen. Like I was the one that mm-hmm. was allowing myself to be treated that way. And if I didn't have respect for myself, how could I have the expectation that anybody else is going to respect mm-hmm. me, mm-hmm. you know? And especially when you're around really strong people, mm-hmm. I think that's super important. It was definitely like a life lesson that I like took to the gut. Yeah. Like I was like, okay. And that was lots of therapy later that mm-hmm. I was like, all right, this, this is how you approach me. This is what's acceptable. And I'm still that way. Like right. even in like, a heated conversation with Mikhail or something, if I feel like he's crossed the line or he's getting too upset or whatever, I'd be like, I'm not going to stay in this conversation right. with you speaking to me like that. Right. Like, I'm just not. And it doesn't right. even have to be overly egregious. It right. could just be what I don't feel comfortable right. with. But to be able just to like speak up and say like, this is how I want to be treated mm-hmm. and respected, I think was definitely a, a huge life lesson for me. Yeah. It is a big life lesson. Yeah. But it's something like, I don't think, we you learn until you're in those situations and I think that's one of the things I felt like our parents never really talked down to us no like they never made me feel stupid or dumb or anything like that and so I never had to deal with that until and and when it happened you're like like okay well it was just how do you deal with it like yeah but I also I also feel like in a lot of ways our parents didn't teach us about agency like how right no no like how you're good, not and not like to the degree that this is going to sound like in a socialist way, but it was like your benefit to society was how you could benefit those around you. Yeah, no, I so my what I was trying to say was there was I remember when the kids were young and like Ada especially had very negative self talk. Um, she mm-hmm. struggled with that a lot, and she still kind of does. But she would make these comments about herself and whether she was joking or not joking with it. And I would say, well, if you called yourself stupid, that means I can call you stupid. Mm-hmm. Like if someone else hears you talk to yourself that way, yeah. then that gives them the freedom to talk to you that way. And so that's not how, you know, we want to be, we don't want that essentially. But I just remember thinking like there was, I never really had to deal with that until it was like full force, like dealing with you're like, oh, wow. Like this mm-hmm. is weird. Like I've never been like, disrespected in this way yeah I have been <laughs> many a times yeah mostly by yeah. our fathers of brides but but I mean in the, even in those situations and the and COVID it's like you and I remember that it's like you know nothing about me oh I know you know nothing about <laughs> who we are what we are you have no right to make that comment to me I know so disrespectful it was so disrespectful and I was like and all I could think of was like if this was Sam on the phone be, I know I thought that all the time Yes. Would you be speaking to them like this? No. No. They just thought they'd get one over on you because you're two women. I know. And and, and the thing that pisses me off too about it is they would get on the phone. They would be nice in the beginning. And they would always make this comment about, oh, two women in business. Aren't you grateful you're so successful? I'm like, are you grateful you're so successful? What are you talking about? (laughs) My gender has nothing to do with my success. Yeah. Maybe it does. Maybe it makes me more successful. I don't know. But whatever. More adept. More compassionate. 
We're badass. Whatever. Either way, it was a definitely, that was, yeah, that was a rough season of life. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Last thing is how she was talking about how before she launched her business, mm. she spent a year getting all, all the things and all the ducks in a row mm-hmm. and all the marketing and all the branding and like how much of a planner she is. And right. I was like, wow, I'm just like a shoot from the hip kind of gal. Yeah. Yeah, you are very much. <laughs> I know. That. Like, oh, we're going to do this now. <laughs> yeah, I think that's where sometimes friction happens, too, for us, because I, I think when I think back to like even Anthem House launching, like our ducks were not in a row. And that's what gives me so much like that's what made me so like frustrated in the whole process right yeah. and I feel like I didn't know that I had responsibility for all of those ducks to get them in a row no I agree so I, there was that lack I'm that. not I'm not saying there were a lot of things they definitely weren't in a row I mean for sure absolutely no. like the duck I don't even know if we had ducks at that point they right. were like eggs right Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I definitely think that. So, but like, but I think that's where I get so frustrated sometimes because yeah. I'm, I don't like shooting from the hip. And I think it kind of goes back to, for me, it's, I don't have a problem letting something go. I just have to know that I tried my hardest before I can let it go. Yeah. Otherwise, I will always have that what if. And that's true for anything in my life. That's true for a relationship. Mm-hmm. That's true for a business venture. And so when something goes awry and my first instinct is like, I don't want to fucking do this anymore. I want to let this go. But then the back of my mind, I'm like, but you haven't tried. You mm-hmm. haven't really tried. You haven't given it a true, like, a True go. Try. <laughs> like a true go at it, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, you're just, it, it's not well planned out. It's not well executed, you know? And, and the idea, the reason why you said you were going to do this is because the idea was good, right? It was a good idea. And so in order for me to let it go, I have to really try it, which is how I feel about our like anything, like any venture, like whether it's a luxury collection or whatever. I'm like, before we like make any moves or decisions, how are we going to move forward with this? We have to really try it. We have to give it 200 percent. Yeah. And if it doesn't work at that point and it's not a product people want, then I'm happy to walk away from it and let it go. Yeah. But until then, I'm always going to be like, what? If? Yeah, I mean. But I think it takes a lot of planning is all the It does. All and it always shocks me how much goes into making things happen. Like, even to the point, it really does. It's shocking. It is. It's like so shocking to me. Like, even like like building a house, like how long it's taken to get all this back stuff together or like putting together this e course. Like, oh, we're going to do this e course. And I mean, and I, I don't really have a lot of mental bandwidth for e courses, but I was like, how hard can it be? There's a bajillion out there. There's so many options and there's so much like mm-hmm. connections to like your website to like this goes to that and whatever. Like, mind-blowing mm-hmm. like things in my mind they seem so simple but then in the actuality i'm like mm, what did i just sign on for right but i find myself in that position over and over and over again right so yeah maybe that's the way is to become more of like of a, planner. a planner but then i think i but i honestly believe that if i were that i would plan my way right out of doing something like i Probably. would get in the middle of it and be like i would go nowhere yeah so i'm like that is a shit ton I of think, work. I think a good healthy mix. And I think she did have a good healthy mix. She she got her ducks in a row. She figured out what she wanted. She took a leap of faith and, you I know. I thought that was super gutsy. Yeah, super gutsy. To have 12 consoles and be like, all right, I'm going to quit. I know. So there was okay. a little bit of both, like a little bit of shooting from the hip. It wasn't fully planned yeah. out, but there was also a lot of planning on the back end. So I think she had a good mix of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. It's a good episode. Yeah, it is. Good thoughts. All right. Moving on to the fuck up of the week. I'm yeah. going to pick mine first because it okay. might be yours and I want to take it. What is it? So my fuck up of the week was the fact that we had our big industry gala uh, mm-hmm. 
last Tuesday, and we had <laughs> lots of fun. Dana can speak way more to this than so I can. So much fun. So much fun. I, think I went to bed in my dress. Yes, she did. Don't remember and her the walk eyelashes. And my eyelashes. Yes. Oh, it's a rough morning. It was. <laughs> But then the very next day, we scheduled oh. an Instagram live. Yes, with uh, Nace, Nace, Nace National, Nace National that we had to be on, and it was rough. It I was remember rough. before we got on, like ten minutes, Dana's like, "Are you gonna fix your face?" And I was like, "What? What's wrong with my face?" She's like, "It needs a little fixing." Then I had like smudged eyeshadow. It was bad. It was bad. I looked like a hot mess. We both did. Yeah, I know. That was not going to be my fuck up of the week, but that's a good one. Yeah, it was definitely poor, poor planning. Poor planning, yeah. Mine has nothing to do with me. It's freaking daylight savings time. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, it's been kicking my ass. Yeah. Yeah, it's been pretty brutal. Mm -hmm. Just trying to get the kids to sleep. And I guess another it goes along with it is we ran out of melatonin. Oh, you should have come to my house. I know. So, like. You have some now? Well, so, I mean, my kids don't listen to this. We actually give them fake melatonin because oh. they were becoming, like, like so dependent on, they were convinced they couldn't go to sleep without it. So we bought vitamin C mm -hmm. and we just give them half a vitamin C pill. And Ada saw the bottle. She's like, why? This isn't melatonin, it's vitamin C. I was like, no, it's melatonin with vitamin C. It's getting an extra vitamin. And she was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so they take that, but we do give them the real melatonin when- Daylight savings time. Well, daylight savings times or like when it's just like necessary. Like I can just, you know, when they're like seriously struggling mm -hmm. to go to sleep. So it was a struggle to get them to go to bed. And so we had the fake melatonin. And they were like, this isn't working. I'm like, uh, <laughs> it's probably not. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for gathering us today to talk about The Hustle. For our episode with Lindsay, we are drinking a Cosmo. We hope you get a chance to make it this week. And cheers to creating meaningful connections. To learn more and connect with Lindsay, you can find her on Instagram at Miss Lindsay J. Williams. And you can learn more about her business by visiting lindsayjwilliams.com. To learn more about our hustles, visit us on the gram at CD Events, at the Bradford NC, and at Hustle and Gather. If you're interested in learning more about our speaking, training, or venue consulting, head to our website at hustleandgather.com. Also, if you love us and you love this show, it would be more than honored if you left us a rating and a review. This podcast is a production of Earfluence. I'm Dana. And I'm Courtney. And we'll talk with you next time on Hustle and Gather.